Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you probably know that Athletic Brewing Company is my absolute favorite non-alcoholic beer. For me, finding an incredible non-alcoholic beer to drink around the fire pit or at a dinner was a game changer in sobriety. And I love Athletic so much that I became a brand ambassador so that I could share the love. You can save 20% with code KCD20 on your first order of Athletic at their website. Now, they are not sponsoring this ad, but I wanted to share this discount if you wanted to try it out. So my personal favorites are their Golden Upside Dawn and their Run Wild IPA, but I want to hear what your favorites are. Just go to Athletic brewing.com and enter the code KCD20 at checkout. That's C-A-S-E-Y-D-2-0. And you'll save 20% on your first order. Hi there. In this podcast, I want to talk about the wine mom culture and the messages that surround us that say that women need to drink to be empowered, and to cope with life. I want to talk about why it's bullshit, why the wine mom culture is dangerous and toxic, and why the messages and the jokes and the memes about mom needs wine or wine helps me adult make it incredibly hard to quit drinking. It's something I'm really passionate about talking about because it's a huge issue, and it's also something that stopped me from quitting drinking for a really long time. Advertising, social media, and popular culture have been encouraging women to drink for years, telling us that we should drink, that we need to drink, that drinking will make us feel better, and that we should drink more and more often. And in this podcast, I want to dig into why moms drink, the mommy needs wine culture and the messages that for women in general, it is sophisticated and empowering, fun and badass and required to drink so that you have the information you need to recognize it for what it is and to say to yourself, I'm not falling for that 
fucking crap anymore. Look, we live in a culture that tells women that drinking is their treat for getting through the day. It's our reward for working so hard and taking care of our kids. We're told that drinking wine and kicking back with a cocktail or opening a beer at the end of the day, that is what is self-care. That is what we're rebelling with and against being an adult and having responsibilities, that we need it to cope with our lives, that we deserve it. And it's not just moms. Women in general and working women in particular are surrounded by messaging and endless opportunities to drink alcohol. There's rosé all day, hot yoga and happy hour and beer at the end of 10Ks. It is actually incredibly hard to find any place to go where alcohol isn't served or pushed or highlighted. Even at my daughter's soccer lessons, a place that has indoor soccer lessons filled with two-year-olds and four-year-olds and seven-year-olds, it serves beer on tap and wine for parents who need to drink during a 50-minute lesson for their kids. We are told that alcohol is what we should consume to signify that we're cool and relaxed and fun. We're taught that drinking wine or beer or cocktails at the end of the day will make us less frustrated, less angry, less tired, or less bored with the monotony of being an adult. Women in particular are bombarded with messages that we should drink. We're actually taught that we need a drink to cope with our busy lives, to relax from our stressful jobs, to tolerate the demands of our children, to bond with our girlfriends, to connect with our partners. We are conditioned since birth, since childhood, that alcohol is special and celebrated and it occupies a privileged place in society. It is a right of adulthood and it's addictive. And it's really bad for your health. And it surrounds you everywhere. And then we blame ourselves for not being able to moderate or cut back or drink less of an addictive substance. We are told that alcohol will help us. But the reality of our experiences, it doesn't match up with the lies we've been fed. When you wake up sweaty and queasy, thirsty and tired, and are running out the door to work, drinking doesn't feel like it was self-care. When you're anxious about what you said or what you forgot to do the night before, drinking doesn't feel empowering. When your partner is upset about whatever it is you said or did last night, it doesn't feel like drinking actually helped bring you two closer. And when you have a hangover in the morning, drinking does not feel like it's helping you to cope with the demands of your children. And trust me, I am not judging anyone here. I'm really not. Back in the day, I was the queen of hosting brunch with mimosas and play dates with adult beverages, of having beer and wine at my son's four-year-old birthday party, and even making sure that the group get-togethers for the parent education and support group I joined when my first child was an infant was held at my house with a fully stocked bar so that the adults could drink while holding our 12-week-old babies while we chatted about the joys and the challenges of becoming a parent. 
in the first meeting of that group with a group of newborn parents of three-month-olds. It was hosted at the house of the woman who'd volunteered to lead the group. She had Diet Coke and apple juice and sparkling water on hand for all of us. It was 6 p.m., and I was surprised and, quite frankly, appalled. This is what I thought. Oh, my God, no adult beverages, and we're here for two hours at night just talking with strangers? It was the longest two hours of my life. And at the end of that first gathering, the host asked for volunteers to sign up to host the next meetings at our house. And I put my name at the very top of the list. Did I volunteer because I was such a nice person, a lovely host, had all the free time to do it? Not really. I wanted to host because I wanted to serve wine and beer at our next gathering to set the tone for the group about what I thought should be served at the Parents of Infants Support Group meeting so that I didn't have to go through endless round robins of two-hour gatherings each week with no alcohol. I wanted to make the gatherings a party. Hell, I wanted to have fun and make friends, and I didn't think that I could do that if we didn't drink. Regardless of the fact, there would be six infants there, and none of us were sleeping, and half of us were breastfeeding, and all the rest. That was me. That was me completely and totally immersed in the wine mom culture, in the drinking is required for a good time culture. About a month before that group started, I went to a good friend's wedding when my son was two months old, and I was so excited for the wedding. It was at a beautiful mountain resort with a big pool and views and golfing. Not for me. I do not golf, but that it was, but it was that kind of place. It was two nights away with all my girlfriends and their spouses. It was a party and I counted down to that night. I picked out the dress I was going to be wearing. I curled my hair. I did my makeup and we hired a babysitter for my little Hank. And I drank around the pool with my girlfriends and before the wedding. And of course I drank at the wedding too. And I don't remember most of the night. I blacked out. Flashes of it came back and they weren't pretty. My husband walked me home. God knows when. I remember sitting on the asphalt of the driveway on the way to our hotel room for some reason refusing to get up. I don't remember why. I was too drunk to remember the babysitter, much less pay her. Thank God my husband did. I passed out and I didn't wake up to give my son a bottle. I don't even remember him crying. My husband did it. I was brutally hung over the next day and went between not wanting to see anyone and kind of trying to subtly ask questions to figure out what happened, how bad it was, if anyone else drank as much as me or had funny stories to kind of mitigate my situation and make light of it. My husband was mad at me. No fucking shit. Of course he was. Parenting my eight-week-old was hard and exhausting. And we had to drive three hours home and I was so sick in the car and pretty much spent the entire drive trying not to throw up. Yeah, that is how my wonderful weekend with friends went because I drank too much. And I have a lot of those stories. They didn't all go that way. Maybe 90% of them were me drinking after work, playing with my kid out on a date night with nothing out of the ordinary happening. 
This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. When I decided to stop drinking, therapy was a big part of my sober toolbox. It wasn't just about saying no to opening a bottle of wine. Once I stopped drinking, I had to deal with everything in my life that alcohol helped me push down. And with my therapist, I was able to better understand how my relationships with my husband and kids, my bosses and friends needed to shift to support my sobriety. If you're thinking of starting therapy as part of your journey, BetterHelp is the way to go. It's all online. It's convenient and flexible. It's tailored to your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. Therapy can help you become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash someday and score 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp. H-E-L-P dot com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. Sure, I woke up at 3 a.m. and I was exhausted the next morning. But hey, I was also the mom of a toddler. Sometimes it goes that way. But there were those nights. The nights when it was a girl's night with the kids. When I went over on a Friday afternoon to my friend's house on Memorial Day weekend for a play date. And we opened the wine bottles and we kept them flowing. We ended up sleeping over with the kids. See, we're totally responsible moms. No drinking and driving here. And the next day, driving my son home in his car seat, I had to pull over 10 blocks from my house to throw up in an empty parking lot while he was safely strapped into the car seat in back. And as I'm saying this, if I'm being honest, I'm thinking maybe I should not be sharing all of these stories with you. Someone listening is probably judging me. Of course you are. Someone listening to this in the future might think I'm a bad mom, right? Maybe this is going to come back and bite me in the ass. But here's the thing. I wasn't really a bad mom. I really wasn't. I'm not a bad person. I'm an awesome mom. I love my son and I love my daughter. And honestly, 90% of the time, I was really safe. And when I drank too much, and when I wasn't safe, or I wasn't able to care for my kids, I had backup. I had other loving people who were responsible there and could take care of my kids. Now, I'm not saying throwing up in a parking lot while my kid's in a car seat is a good thing. And trust me, I felt like complete garbage about it. I carried that for a long time. But when I think about these things, I cringe over them. I regret it. And I'm sharing this now for a reason, even though I'm not sure that I should. Because if you are listening to this and you are where I was, I want you to know that you're not alone. You are not the only one. You were just sucked into the bullshit marketing and messaging we have all bought into. You believed it. And then you thought it was fun. And then drinking became a habit. And then you surrounded yourself with other drinkers and they're not bad people either. And guess what? Alcohol is addictive and it's designed to make you consume more of it and more often. And going down the road I went down and the road you might be going down now 
is just what fucking happens. It's predictable. It's inevitable. And it's what thousands of women who look like they have it all together and are having an awesome time are going through. And we're not talking about it. And here's the message of this podcast. You can get out of it. You can stop drinking. You won't be miserable. Drinking is not required as a mom or as a modern empowered woman. It's not required to have fun or let loose or to rebel from your responsibilities or to cope with them. You will still be a badass. You'll in fact be more of a badass without alcohol. You will still have fun. Your identity will still be more than being a mother or a wife or an employee or a manager or whatever it is. And here's the good news. You'll be happier. Your life will be better. Parenting will be easier. Your anxiety will be less. You'll feel less overwhelmed. You'll be better able to cope with your schedule and with your responsibilities. You'll actually be a better friend and a better employee and a better manager and a better leader all by walking away from the booze and you will be glad that you ditched the wine. I know you might not believe me now, but you will. You don't need it. So you know how else I know you're not alone? When my son was first born and I bought all the mommy wine culture groups, I bought books like Sippy Cups Are Not for Chardonnay and Nap Time is the New Happy Hour. They were written by a woman named Stephanie Wilder Taylor and they were right up my alley. In fact, the book Nap Time is the New Happy Hour. It was published exactly one month before my son was born on March 25th, 2008. And I ate it up. Here's what Publisher Weekly wrote about Stephanie's motherhood books. When the Los Angeles comedian and television writer and producer Wilder Taylor got pregnant, she feared undergoing this process. Quote, a perfectly sane woman who swigs Jack Daniels and never goes to sleep before 8 a.m. and has had at least one STD, gives birth and suddenly becomes a different person. A person who subscribes to three dozen parenting magazines, thinks a wild night is tossing back two old duels and never hits the hay after 8 p.m. Those were the books that spoke to me. And here's the thing. 16 months after my son was born, 17 months after Nap Time is the New Happy Hour was published, I saw an article in the New York Times about Stephanie titled, A Heroine of Cocktail Moms Sobers Up. That article came out three years after Sippy Cups Are Not for Chardonnay was published, a year and a half after Nap Time is the New Happy Hour, and six weeks before her new book was about to be released, which covered many of the same mom wine culture themes. Here's how the article starts, and I'll link to it in the show notes. Another pro forma play date. Toddlers plied with juice boxes, goldfish crackers, Play-Doh. Then the host mommy turns to the guest mommy. Something to drink? I'll have coffee, tea. The two mommies gaze at lock. White wine? Stephanie Wilder Taylor always chose the wine. It was a taboo moment, said Miss Wilder Taylor, 43, who has three young girls 
younger than five and lives in California. It was a way to express that we're still fun people. Just because we have babies doesn't mean we can't have an adult side. Ms. Wilder Taylor, a former stand-up comic, has made a career of championing the cocktail playdate attitude. Her funny web column is called Make Mine a Double, Tales of Twins and Tequila. And she has been the toast of the anti-perfection mom-lit world. But in late May, six weeks before the latest publication of her book, a memoir in which alcohol is a merry companion, Miss Wilder Taylor put a post up on her blog, Baby on Board, that has reverberated throughout mommy blogdom. I drink too much, she wrote. I quit on Friday. Later, she wrote, it's embarrassing to be all rah, 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 go booze, only to zip off with my tail between my legs saying, never mind, I've joined the other team, but it's what I had to do. You know what the name of her book was that was published six weeks after that blog? It's not me, it's you. Subjective recollections from a terminally optimistic, chronically sarcastic, and occasionally inebriated woman. I saw that article while I was waiting for coffee before heading up to my office. My son was a year old. I read the title. I knew who Stephanie Wilder Taylor was. Of course I did. I had her books. I had probably gifted them to other moms for their baby showers. I bought the paper and I actually hid it away. I then found the article online and I copied the words and saved it in a Word document, which I conveniently titled it something innocuous so that no one would find it on my desktop. I copied it to read it over and over again. If you do the math on that, I saw that article in the line at the coffee shop of my office building when Hank was 16 months old. I quit for the first time when he was five years old. I quit drinking for the last time when he was eight years old. This shit is hard. If you are worried about your drinking and you should stop and are listening to this and have known for a while, but keep going back to the wine. I get it. It took me a lot of tries to stop drinking and to figure out that life is better without it. By the way, I do not blame Stephanie at all. I thank her. I thank her for being brave. I thank her for her honesty. I thank her for stopping drinking and telling the world about it. I was drinking plenty way before I bought her books about nap time being the new happy hour. Getting those books didn't push me over the edge. I was driving that way really fast, all on my own. I saw that article, the blog she wrote, the fucking week she stopped drinking after all the publicity and all the books she had published and all the followers she had who celebrated her devil-may-care attitude about drinking wine and being a mom. And you know what I know now? That was so brave. No way I would have been that brave. No way. It must have been truly so incredibly hard for her to post that blog. The week she stopped drinking, telling people she stopped on Friday. She's a hero. And I saw that article after buying all her books and it spoke to me. And it took a couple years, but it helped me. Years later, when I was ready, I read on her website a blog series called Don't Get Drunk Friday, stories from other women like her and like me 
who'd quit drinking. Stephanie's blog actually led me to my absolute favorite secret not drinking Facebook group, the BFB or the Booze Free Brigade, which she was a part of founding. And that group really helped me quit drinking. I'll put a guide to finding it, how to get into it in the show notes of this episode. So if you are listening to this and you're starting on your path to stopping drinking, it is really helpful to wrap your head around why and how you've been fed these ideas that drinking alcohol is harmless and fun and necessary as part of your life. We've essentially been brainwashed. When you're drinking and you have an inkling that the way you're drinking isn't healthy and isn't helping you and it's not sustainable, if you're like me and you're justifying and rationalize your drinking, when you stop and look around and you think that drinking isn't working for you anymore or when you try to cut back or stop, you're told not to bother. You're told that the way you feel, stressed and anxious and tired and sleeping terribly and desperate for your nightly wine, that's just part of being a modern woman. You're told that despite how you feel, drinking is helping you. Drinking is what's holding you together. And then here's what you'll think. Well, maybe my drinking isn't that bad. It's probably not a problem. There's nothing to see here. Let's just move along. It was just a bad day, a big night, a bad hangover. I mean, sure, I feel like shit after drinking too much, but I need my wine to relax. It'll make me feel better. It will help me actually be less tired and more relaxed. And besides, it's what everyone else is doing. And that is true. It is not just you. Lots of other women and probably many of the women around you are drinking too much. And behind closed doors, they may be wondering if their drinking's gotten out of hand as well. I could quote you all the stats about how women in America are drinking more and more often than their mothers or their grandmothers, or about how alcohol consumption is killing women in record numbers. I could tell you that the rate of alcohol-related deaths for white women ages 35 to 54 has more than doubled between 1999 and 2015. And the share of binge drinking is up 40% since 1997. I want to say that again because it's important. The rate of alcohol-related deaths for white women ages 35 to 54 has more than doubled between 99 and 2015. That is huge. Oh my gosh, can we talk about perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause for a minute? I am 48, so if you're going through it, I'm right there with you. I mean, hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts, the low moods, the poor sleep, it is not cool. And that's why I was really excited to find a supplement called Hormone Harmony by Happy Mammoth. It contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like those super fun hormonal changes. It helps reduce menopause symptoms head on. And if you're interested in trying it, you can use the code HELLO for 15% off your first order. 
Women cannot stop raving about it on social media, but the biggest benefit is the simplest, feeling like yourself again. So if you're going through this, like I'm going through this, for a limited time, you can get 15% off your first order at happymammoth.com with promo code HELLO. That's happy, M-A-M-M-O-T-H.com. And use promo code HELLO for 15% off your first order. I could share an article that came out just this week in Parents Magazine. It was titled, What's Really Driving Moms to Drink More Than Ever? It talked about how historically rates of alcohol use disorder, AUD, have been found to be disproportionately higher for men than for women. But in recent years, the gap's been closing. The trend in mothers drinking to cope with stress isn't a new one, right? We just talked about what has been happening since 1999 and how the share of women binge drinking is up 40% since 1997. But with the pandemic, it made a bad thing much worse. A study was published in the JAMA, J-A-M-A Network Open, found that during 2020, there was a 41% increase in the number of days on which women drank heavily. And heavily is defined as having four or more drinks in a couple of hours. Yeah, that was me. Another study conducted by the American Psychological Association found that the rate of adults who reported drinking more to manage pandemic stress was more than twice as high for parents of children between the ages of five and seven. You can see all those statistics and know them, but you know what? You don't even need those. You just have to look around to see what's happening. There is a constant feedback loop between advertising, popular culture, and what our family and our friends are doing and telling us we need to do. They say we need to drink. We should drink. The way we drink is normal and okay. And actually, it's pretty fucking awesome. So let's take a look at how advertisers are doing it because information and knowledge is power. We're working on shifting your mindset, getting some perspective when you hear these messages coming at you. A BBC article did a deep dive on the feminization of alcohol marketing last year. In it, the writer points to research by Carol Emsley, a professor of substance use and misuse, and how she shows how alcohol companies harness the fact that women want to retain their identities as they go through various life stages. When Emsley and her colleagues talked to women in their 30s and 40s, they found that many viewed drinking as a way to show their identity beyond the responsibilities associated with being a woman in midlife, navigating career pressures, or childcare. And I hear that. I felt it too. Getting together for a few drinks after work to laugh and to relax was especially important for them. She says women also felt that they were transformed back to care for youth away from their responsibilities when they got together for a few drinks after work. It's these desires that marketers zero in on to get women to buy alcohol. They say we've seen a move against sexualizing women to sell alcohol to men 
to alcohol brands trying to align their products with sophistication, women's empowerment, and with female friendship. It is straight out of the tobacco industry playbook when slogans such as you've come a long way, baby, in the 60s were made famous by Virginia Slims. That campaign for cigarettes was an attempt to cash in on the women's lib movement at the time, trying to attract female consumers who identified with the movement. And the article points out that the trend towards female-focused marketing is really unsurprising, given the rise in women's socioeconomic power. So here's what happened. There has been an emergence of multiple new alcohol products targeting female customers, from fruit-flavored beers to low-calorie beverages. There's a focus on slimness, weight, pink packaging, glitter, messages of sisterhood, all-female friendship, motherhood, and the all-time favorite overtime sexiness. Messages of empowerment have increased, as well as the celebration of women. So, for example, an association with International Women's Day or Valentine's Day and even Mother's Day. The advertisers have shifted to targeting mothers more and more. And in the Parents Magazine about the real reasons mom are drinking more, they talk about it. They say as women spend more money on alcohol, the advertising companies have shifted their campaigns to target those of us in our reproductive years. Their messages communicate to women that they deserve a drink, that they need wine in order to parent. The so-called pinking of the alcohol market is something that's been happening for two decades. And it sort of came to light the most if you saw the Saturday Night Live skit that was going around a few months ago. It was focusing on the heavy-handed marketing that breeds the mommy wine culture. It was a sketch starring A.D. Bryant, as a mom receiving the not-too-subtle birthday gifts from her friends, a kitschy wooden sign that read, I like you better when I'm effed up, and hey, barkeep, I want to die tonight. In the BBC story, my friend Kate Bailey, who is actually on episode 48 of this podcast, talking about self-care for moms going alcohol-free, Kate's the co-host of the Love Sober podcast and the co-author of the book, Love Yourself Sober, a self-care guide to alcohol-free living for busy moms. She was quoted in the article. Kate highlights the impact of alcohol marketing on mothers as a big area of concern. She sees feminized marketing popularized by concepts of mummy juice and wine o'clock linked to how busy women navigate anxiety. Kate says that women are using alcohol as an acceptable way of self-medication and stress release. Of course they are, because we're being sold it as a reward at the end of the day. Not only that, but the Parents Magazine article I mentioned noted that statistically, females tend to tilt towards enjoying the, the reduction of discomfort effects of alcohol instead of the pleasure effects. The article talked about many factors that are driving moms to drink more than ever. The normalization of drinking among mothers that we've talked about, role overload between women trying to fulfill multiple roles at the same time, work and home, while simultaneously lacking the resources to perform them. And number three, societal expectations about motherhood. There's that feeling of 
all the pressure to be a quote unquote good mom and the idea that you're not living up to it. And that creates the guilt and the shame among mom. And shame is a powerful motivator to drink. Women are known to lean on alcohol for its dampening effects of negative emotions. And so here's what happens. Even when our drinking has escalated to the point where we know it's not good, where we know it's not serving us, when we know it's making us feel like crap, we look around and the message we receive is that it's just normal. When we're told that drinking equals empowerment and sophistication and self-care and a well-earned reward for hard work, it's hard. The truth is that we are being pacified and patronized and mollified and we don't even see it. There's a particular chart, which I guess is kind of a meme that I've seen floating around that I really, really hate. It's called the hormone guide to talking to women. I'll put a picture in it in the show notes to this article so you can see how fucking awful it is. The idea presented is This handy guide should be carried like a driver's license in the wallet of every husband, boyfriend, coworker, or significant other who deals with women. Here's what it outlines. Helpfully, of course, for men to say to women in categories of what is dangerous, safer, safest, and ultra safe. So for example, for a man to say to a woman, what's for dinner is very dangerous, safer, is can I help you with dinner? Safest is where would you like to go out for dinner? Ultra safe, aka punchline, here, have some wine. Also dangerous for men to say to women, what are you so worked up about? Safer, could we be overreacting? Safest, here's my paycheck. Ultra safe, here, have some wine. Dangerous, what did you do all day? Safer, I hope you didn't overdo it today. Safest. I've always loved you in this robe. Ultra safe. Here, have some wine. I mean, the chart is misogynistic and sexist and patronizing and insulting. Yeah. And the message is the ultra safe thing to say to women in any context is here, have some wine. And I think it helps to get pissed off about it. It is bullshit. I think you need to start looking at this crap and it should piss you off when you see the t-shirts and the socks and the kitchen towels and the wines named mommy's timeout. You should get fucking mad. If you take a look at Etsy, you can see all this shit in one place. There are t-shirts that say rose all day and socks that say, if you can read this, bring mommy wine. There are the signs that say wine helps me adult. There are the onesies that say mommy drinks because I cry and the kitchen towels that say corks are for quitters and I'm not slurring. I'm speaking in cursive. There are the wine glasses etched with mommy's sippy cups and surviving motherhood one glass at a time. And there are signs for your kitchen that say it's not drinking alone if your dog is home. They are even selling decals that say, shut up liver, you're fine, and drunk wives matter. Did you know that there's a Facebook group called Mommy Needs Vodka that has 5 million followers? 5 fucking million followers. 
from Mommy Needs Vodka. And there's a wine that's called Mad Housewife Chardonnay. And here's what it says on the label. Somewhere near the cool shadows of the laundry room, past the litter box and between the plastic yard toys, this is your time. Time to enjoy a moment to yourself. A moment without the madness. The dishes can wait. Dinner be damned. Mad Housewife Chardonnay. Hi there. If you're listening to this episode and have been trying to take a break from drinking, but keep starting and stopping and starting again, I want to invite you to take a look at my on-demand coaching course, the Sobriety Starter Kit. The Sobriety Starter Kit is an online self-study sober coaching course that will help you quit drinking and build a life you love without alcohol, without white knuckling it or hating the process. The course includes the exact step-by-step coaching framework I work through with my private coaching clients, but at a much more affordable price than one-on-one coaching. And the Sobriety Starter Kit is ready, waiting, and available to support you anytime you need it. And when it fits into your schedule, you don't need to work your life around group meetings, or classes at a specific day or time. This course is not a 30-day challenge or a a one-day-at-a-time approach. Instead, it's a step-by-step formula for changing your relationship with alcohol. The course will help you turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. You will sleep better and have more energy. You'll look better and feel better. You'll have more patience and less anxiety. And with my approach, you won't feel deprived or isolated in the process. So if you're interested in learning more about all the details, please go to www.sobrietystarterkit.com. You can start at any time, and I would love to see you in the course. I mean, it's bullshit. It's insulting. It's stupid. And it's not fucking funny anymore. This is the crap that is being sold to us to keep us sick so that we'll keep drinking. It's the crap we are buying each other as a joke. It is normalizing drinking a bottle of wine a night, which by the way, I did, which is actually really fucking dangerous. This is the crap that encourages us to keep consuming an addictive substance that makes us sick. The people making these products want you to look at these messages and think, this is fine. This is funny. This is totally normal. They want you to think that slurring at night is normal, that drinking to tolerate your kids is normal, that not remembering the shows you watch is normal, that waking up with a hangover is normal, that drinking a bottle by yourself is normal because corks are for quitters, right? Get it? Ha. We look at these messages and we start to believe that everyone drinks like this, that this is what adult women do, that it's funny, that it's empowering, that it's sophisticated, that it keeps us cool. 
despite the fact that our latest hangover has us lying in bed with a queasy stomach and a splitting headache when we're late for work and we have a big meeting or while our two-year-old is crying or our 11-year-old needs us to drive him to baseball. This is how we have been convinced to drink more and more often. And look, we drink at brunch and at soccer games on the sidelines. We drink at the office happy hour and on date nights. We drink at the spa. We drink when we walk in the door after a long day at the office and while cooking dinner and when helping our kids with their homework and on the couch at night after they've gone to bed. And when you're trying to quit drinking, to flip the script, to take care of yourself and your life and your health, these messages make it really hard to stop drinking because everyone around you has bought into this shit too. I don't know if there's one of us who hasn't sort of subtly tried to slide in and ask someone, do you think I drink too much or I've been kind of worried about my drinking or I really want to cut back or I think I should. And you're told, oh God, you're not that bad. You're totally fine. We all drink that way. Don't worry about it, right? I had a friend who told me that her friend who eventually checked into rehab had confided in her friends that she was worried about her drinking. And the helpful suggestion was to just not bring up that last glass of vodka to bed with her. That was the suggestion, right? Because the moms didn't want the wine nights to end either, and they probably didn't want to look at their own drinking too closely. Look, the people who make the wine and the beer and the hard alcohol, they've done an amazing job. I worked in marketing for more than 20 years. They're fucking good at what they do, and they've spent a lot of money doing it. They want us to drink more because when we drink more, they make more money, and they don't care about what it does to our bodies or our minds or our relationships or our confidence. So as you're stepping away from the wine bottle and you start to think that maybe this is too hard, maybe by quitting you're denying yourself something that you've always been taught, that you're somehow walking away from something that helps you bond with your girlfriends, make it through the day, or a reward for the crap you put up with at work, remember you are being lied to. You are being taken advantage of. These messages, they were created deliberately to reinforce the idea that drinking is helping you cope with life. And this marketing, this targeting of women, it has real world consequences. The Harvard Health blog posted a study on women and alcohol and COVID-19 just three months ago. It said the pandemic has further increased rates of alcohol use in women. According to a RAND Corporation study, during the pandemic, women have increased their heavy drinking days by 41% than before the pandemic. Look, we drink when we're happy and we drink when we're sad. We drink when we're bored and we drink when we're stressed. We drink because alcohol is the first thing offered to you when you go out to dinner. And because Trader Joe's hangs up a giant sign from the ceiling above the wine display right when you enter the store that says, get your back to school supplies right here. We drink because alcohol is addictive. So if you drink often and often enough and who the fuck doesn't when it's pushed on you, 
24-7, you will inevitably want and then need to drink more. And then when times get tough, you drink even more because you're told it's the one thing that will make you better. And if you're being honest, you drink because you want to numb out and essentially knock yourself unconscious at the end of the day. Last month, NPR reported that women now drink as much as men, but they don't do it for pleasure. They do it to cope. It talks about how, during the pandemic, any glance at social media would reinforce the message that there was one cure for pandemic-related stress, and it was alcohol. Social media was rife with memes of moms drinking to relieve their stress. And during the pandemic, alcohol was actually easier to obtained than anything through delivery sites and apps. There was a huge disproportionate effect of the pandemic on women's alcohol use, right? And it was terrible before. Rates of alcohol use and heavy drinking defined as four or more drinks on one occasion and related disorders in women, they were rising even before the pandemic, right? Between 2001 and 2012, there was a 16% increase in the proportion of women who drink alcohol, a 58% increase in women's heavy drinking. By the way, that's compared to only 16% increase in men and an 84% increase in women's one-year prevalence of an alcohol use disorder, 84% increase versus 35% in men. I will link to all of these articles, all of these studies in the show notes. But our drinking was bad before, and the pandemic has made our drinking even worse. And research showed that the psychological stress related to COVID-19 was associated with greater drinking for women, but not for men. And we're drinking more and more, but the discussion you see out there on women's health seems to be trending around, oh, you need to lose weight. You should look at gluten. You should look at sugar. Maybe your gut health, maybe that's the issue. You're ignoring the elephant in the room. The substance you're consuming more than anything else that can kill you, it's the alcohol. In what should be clearly categorized as too fucking little, too fucking late, the American Cancer Society finally, just last year, updated its guidelines to say that no amount of alcohol is good for you. For years, we've been told through completely flawed medical studies that have been held up as truth, that drinking in some small and controlled amount is actually healthier than not drinking at all. And that red wine in particular is actually good for your health. It was never true. Never. The medical research and guidelines finally came clean in June 2020. The American Cancer Society, for the first time in eight years, made a major change to its guidelines on cancer reduction and prevention. Now saying, newsflash, it's best to cut alcohol out completely of one's diet. It's best not to drink alcohol, said the American Cancer Society. Previously, the society recommended that limiting alcohol consumption to one drink a day for women and no more than two drinks a day for men. Alcohol use is actually one of the most important preventable risk factors for cancer. In the CDC's frequently asked questions about alcohol, it states, excessive drinking 
in the form of heavy drinking or binge drinking is associated with numerous health problems, including chronic diseases such as liver cirrhosis, damage to liver cells, pancreatitis, inflammation of the pancreas, various cancers, including liver, mouth, throat, larynx, esophagus, high blood pressure, and psychological disorders. We're not even counting accidents and breast cancer as well. But that's not what's being passed around as information because nobody wants to take a look too close at their drug of choice. I know I didn't. So instead, what's shared is the wine memes and the Etsy signs and the chart I mentioned earlier, the one about the hormone guide to talking to women. And you know what's crazy about that stuff? Yeah, it's insulting and it's patronizing, but it's also sadly true. We have been taught and conditioned to be pacified with wine. We're pissed and irritated and overwhelmed. And in order to push down those emotions, we pour ourselves a big glass of wine. We drink and then we accept and tolerate things that really shouldn't be acceptable. So we can take on too much and overschedule ourselves and do things we don't want to do and then drink to tolerate it all instead of changing things instead of changing the deal that we've set up with our partners and our bosses and our kids, instead of getting the help we deserve, instead of asking for more, we drink our wine and we give up our power. We are settling for so little. Christy Coulter talks about this and so much more in her book, Nothing Good Can Come From This, and her viral essay, Anjali. Christy's a friend of mine. She lives in Seattle, and I reached out to her when I was in my first few months of sobriety. And Christy writes about being newly sober and dog paddling through the booze all around her. And she describes what she sees about why women drink and what it has come to mean. Christy writes, that summer I realized that everyone around me is tanked, but it also dawned on me that a lot of the women are super double tanked. That to be a modern, urban woman means to be a serious drinker. This isn't a new idea. Just ask the Sex in the City girls. A woman with a single malt scotch is bold and discerning and might fire you from your life if you fuck with her. A woman with a PBR is a cool girl who will not be shamed for belching. A woman drinking mommy juice wine is saying she's more than the unpaid labor she gave birth to. The thing women drink are signifiers for free time and self-care and conversation. You know, luxuries we can't afford. She asks herself, how did we not see this before? And Christy reminds herself, oh yeah, you were too hammered. That summer she sees. She sees the booze is the oil in our motors, the thing that keeps us purring when we could be making other kinds of noise. What I hear when reading Christie's writing is that we're stressed out, we're overworked, we're tired or frustrated or pissed off or overwhelmed. And instead of asking for help or changing our schedules or having a hard conversation with our partners or establishing boundaries with our boss or our coworkers or our children, we are drinking to numb out to make it all go away and frankly to put up with it. Listen to this line Christy wrote. 
Booze is the oil in our motors, the thing that keeps us purring when we could, and in my mind should, be making other kinds of noise. I get it. In the moment, in the short term, tonight, it is easier to drink. It is easier to drink than to rock the boat and to make other noise about what's starting to become intolerable in our lives until drinking gets to a point when that too is hard. And Christy writes about how other women have bought into the idea that drinking is a solution to any and every problem and annoyance as well. The message is reinforcing that we should drink to cope with every day, small problems and frustrations that surround us and are there constantly. The messages that are delivered to us by the people closest to us. Christy writes, one day that summer, I'm wearing unwise but cute, so cute shoes, and I trip at a farmer's market, cracking my phone, blood staining the knees of my favorite jeans, and scraping both my palms. Naturally, I post on Facebook about it as soon as I've dusted myself off. Three women who don't know I'm sober comment quickly. Wine, immediately. Do they sell wine there? Definitely wine. And maybe some new shoes. Christy says, have I mentioned that it's morning when this happens? On a weekday? This isn't one of those nightclub farmer's markets. And the women aren't the kind of beleaguered, downtrodden creatures you would imagine drinking to get through the day. They're pretty cool chicks, the kind of people you ridicule for having first world problems. Why do they need to drink? So yeah, Christy's right. Why do we all think we need to drink? The truth is we don't, but it's really hard to get out of the ditch we're in. So where do we go from here? If you're drinking too much, if you feel like shit, if you suspect or know that alcohol is the issue, if you have tried to stop and said fuck it on day two or day four or day seven, as you're trying, you're trying to step away from the wine bottle. And then you start to think that maybe this is too hard. Maybe quitting means you're going to deny yourself the small pleasure you have in life. Remember this, you are being lied to. These messages were created deliberately to reinforce the idea that drinking is an essential part of the oil that keeps our engine running, that keeps us able to cope with all of our first world problems. And it's not true. So I want to give you a few things to think about as you're on this path. Number one, don't believe the hype. Don't buy into the fear or the scare tactics that you won't be fun or you won't fit in if you don't drink. You will. Number two, watch for the agenda and look out for the subliminal messages. And frankly, a lot of them are not that subtle, so it's super easy to do. Behind the drinking mom memes and the kitchen towels and the wine glasses that will hold an entire bottle of wine. Take a critical look at the agenda. You already are just by listening to this. Number three, start to recognize and question the pressure being put on you by family and friends and colleagues to drink. What do they care? Why do they give a shit what beverage you consume? Why is it that drinking is the only drug 
you have to justify not taking? Why have we all bought into the fact that it's perfectly okay to say you don't smoke? But if you say you don't want to drink, everyone will convince you to try to have just one. Number four, follow your own path. Number five, do your own research. In the show notes of this episode, I will link to every article and every study I cited. Number six, listen to your own intuition. If you have been thinking that drinking is not serving you for a while, if you have been worried about your drinking, don't let a fucking wine meme on Facebook convince you to go back on what you know in your heart. And number seven, know that you're not alone. There are thousands, millions of other women who have fallen into this same trap and are struggling too. You know those women you look at and you want to be like? The ones that you think, quote unquote, drink normally, for whom drinking is fun. The ones you think can take it or leave it. If you look at the stats and the studies and the article above, many, many, many of them aren't having any fun, or at least not anymore. They're scared to stop drinking too, and they're scared to keep going. They want to stop and they don't. They want to drink and they don't. They're holding on really fucking tight to control their drinking because this shit is hard. And then they post the memes and take pictures of their drink and post them on social media and wake up feeling like garbage. And nobody is talking about it. We're not talking about it, not to each other. And number eight, the last thing you can do to get out of this cycle and the best thing you can do is to get support. Make this easier on yourself. You don't have to try again and try again and make all the mistakes yourself. Take the shortcuts from those of us who have gone before you. It doesn't have to be this hard. Here are my suggestions. Number one, download my free guide, 30 tips for your first 30 days alcohol free. You can find it on my website, hellosomedaycoaching.com. It'll give you a jump start on getting away from this with really practical suggestions. Number two, join one of my favorite private Facebook groups with really cool women just like you. I'll post a link to the guide on the best sober Facebook groups for women in the show notes of this episode. And number three, I want to invite you to join my sobriety starter kit course. It literally covers every step you need to walk away from the wine mom culture, to get out of the drinking cycle, to stop feeling like shit and to start feeling better. If this podcast or any other of my podcasts resonate with you, you're going to love this course. It has 50 video lessons helping you holding your hand every step of the way. I created it based off my years of coaching with busy, successful women just like you to help them drink less and live more. If you want to join the course, go to www.sobrietystarterkit.com. And don't just take my word for it. Here's what Tanya, who went through the course, said about it. She said, I'm on day 29 with the Sobriety Starter Kit, and already I'm getting so much from it. I totally fit the profile of the highly successful, busy mom who's keeping all the balls in the air and is also drinking a bottle of wine at night. Now for the first time, 
I'm seeing that a life completely alcohol-free is not only possible, but perhaps my preferred path forward. And I don't feel like I'm giving something up or depriving myself. So if you want to take a look at the course, it's at sobrietystarterkit.com. I promise you, as you get further away from your last day one, you will be amazed at how much better and stronger and more capable and more optimistic you will feel. You will no longer feel like you need to drink to cope with your life. And how do I know that? Well, I actually wrote down how I felt on my day one, right before I stopped drinking, and day 100. So here's what I wrote to myself before I quit drinking. I said, can I have a life of peace and optimism and happiness? I don't know. I am stuck in a place of fear and anxiety. I wake up at 3 a.m. almost tingling all over my body with anxiety and sadness. I am so tired every morning and every day. I feel deeply unhappy. I am insecure about work projects and big life and future security issues. I have no emotional reserves. I have no goodwill to handle changes. It feels like every new request will break me. I wake up with a dull ache behind my eyes. I spend all day recovering. I sleep terribly. I feel defensive and guilty and paranoid and anxious and annoyed. I want to hide. I'm resentful and angry. Why am I angry? And I always want more, more wine. It's never enough. I wrote, I'm putting my life and my plans and all my forward progress on hold. What is wrong with me? That's how I felt before I stopped drinking. And here's what I wrote on day 100, just over three months later. So if you're listening to this and you're drinking and you feel like shit and you're worried, imagine how you could feel 100 days from now. Think of the date. Look out three months. Here's how I felt. I wrote, when I compare the way I feel now to how awful I felt when I had my last drink, I am amazed at how much better I feel. I'm proud of myself. I feel moments of contentment and peace and gratitude on a fairly regular basis. I'm happy with my life. I walk into work on a random Tuesday and think, I want the life I have. Like, how crazy is that? I make plans and I follow through on them. I've lost weight. I've run a 10K. I go walks in the middle of the day at work to reset and center myself. I am more calm and present with my kids. They don't set me on edge the way they used to. I feel less anxious and more competent at work. It takes so much less effort to keep track of everything now that I've stopped drinking. My life actually feels somewhat manageable. It's busy, but it's not overwhelming. I don't feel so anxious about the future. I actually feel optimistic. I haven't woken up hating myself in a long time. It hasn't been easy, but it hasn't been quite as hard as I thought it would be. Nothing is wrong with you. Drinking messes with your mind, your emotions, your nerves. If you feel like shit, it's the alcohol that's making you feel the way you do. Once you get some space away from your last drink, you will start to see that your kids aren't so hard, that parenting isn't so hard, that life isn't so hard. It's the alcohol. And if there's stuff you need to change, awesome. 
at least now you have the clarity and the emotional stability and the energy to actually do things about it, not to knock yourself unconscious and just make it worse. Drinking, especially drinking on a regular basis, it is not good for your health and it is not good for your life. And stopping drinking is the ultimate act of self-care. It will improve the quality of your life. It'll improve your physical health, your mental health, your looks, your confidence, your ability to move forward and achieve your dreams and your goals. You can do this and it is worth it. So if you're listening to this and any of it resonated with you, please share this episode. This shit is important and it needs to be talked about. We need to start looking at this stuff and asking if we've been had. You're not falling for this crap anymore. You're calling bullshit, and that is good. All the hugs, my friend. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.